This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Payer Issues Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Jaime Morello, Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer at Optum Labs. Dr. Morello, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me back, uh, Laura. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about with everything happening in healthcare today, but before we dive into our discussion, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yes, I'm Jaime Murillo, and I'm currently, as you said, a Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer at Optum Labs. For those who don't know, it's the R&D arm of United Health Group. As of background, I spent 10 years in academic centers doing research and uh, specialty training, and then 20 years practicing as a cardiologist, and 10 of those years affiliated with a healthcare system, uh, working with them in consumer strategies and um, working with the uh, education leadership and so on. And then uh, as of the past three and a half years, I've been affiliated with United Health Group, initially as part of United Healthcare, and lately uh, moved to the R&D side of United Health Group. Fantastic. And what is it like for you as a clinician to jump into, you know, a different set of work and now looking into, you know, the R&D arm of United Health Group with Optum Labs um, and just really covering so many aspects of healthcare beyond just the cardiology that you had practiced for so many years? It is, I will call it a privilege, uh, which is very interesting because I would not have said that five years ago when I was practicing. And it really is uh, the opportunity to see healthcare from a more global and comprehensive perspective, having the ability to appreciate what one side is thinking and the other side is thinking. But at the end, really, there's no, there are not several sides to the story. There's only one side, which is the side of the people who actually need um, uh, healthcare. And that's the part where I think we can, um, I, I feel very privileged to, to be able to serve in that capacity is uh, being able to say from the consumer, from the patient, from the member, from however you, you whoever you think the consumer is at some point and said how we can serve them and help them build a better healthcare system. So that's in a nutshell, the whole story, really what gets me excited um, about being in this position. Fantastic. Well, I am looking forward to our conversation here. And I'm wondering from your vantage point at Optum Labs, what are the top issues that are consuming most of your time today? Yeah, that's a loaded question, Laura, as you may know. But um, I'll tell you a couple of things, just because oh, maybe three. So um, just to uh, give you a better idea, one is the thought of how we can provide a more seamless experience for people in general. It, we know that healthcare is compartmentalized. And can we actually start thinking as someone who needs health or healthcare services, what are the, uh, the pain points? What are the areas where we need to do a better job at uh, providing that seamless experience? And so I think that started with you know, providing access, uh, the designing a novel healthcare delivery model where people can get um, care when they need it, as soon as they need it, not have to wait at their own convenience uh, with high quality, uh, with the participation of, of other people besides um, a busy doctor. I think we have an opportunity to redesign the healthcare in a way that allows the doctor to be more um, capable of providing care to many people. As I like to say, let's change the math in healthcare and go from instead of one doctor, one patient, one doctor actually being able to help thousands of patients. So I think there are many opportunities to redesign the healthcare model. 
The other one that I uh, think is, is key to our current environment where we've been working on, especially on the R&D side, is can we find a, a way to provide more personalized care? And there are many ways to do that. We can uh, identify gaps in care from the population health standpoint. And gaps in care beyond just you know, optimizing what we do today is how can we actually change the way we do it today so we can cover um, areas that are have not been traditionally uh, covered uh, and needs that are covered. And how to better risk stratify groups, um, ideally predicting risk rather than saying you, you are uh, sick is you're likely to become sick. Let's just work on that. So that personalized case is important. How can we, instead of thinking about the same prescription for 55 million people, we can say this prescription really is more adequate or this um, uh, care model or pathway is better for this specific group of people who benefit the most, who will maximize the benefit. And then the last point that I'm, I'm very excited about, it is more of a personal, it's, it's not a personal really because it's millions of us thinking the same way, but um, the health equity side of the story is, I think we have a major opportunity to contribute to reducing health disparities, not because it's a nice thing to say or to do, like you know many organizations say, but because that's what the need is, is because the rising needs of uh, disparate, uh, disadvantaged communities is a healthcare issue that we as a society need to take into account. And also think about how we can learn from providing those kind of experiences uh, from the social standpoint, from the behavioral standpoint, from being more sensitive to their needs, being more sensitive to their language, to their uh, socioeconomic status, to their um, building trust uh, in, in care. So that's an area where I think we have a massive opportunity. And, and, and the good thing is that there are many, many people who are really interested in, in doing the same so we can partner and, and work together. So those are the three main things that I'm working on, providing a seamless experience for, for people in healthcare, finding better ways to provide personalized care and reducing healthcare disparities. That's really fantastic to hear and just a, a huge, I'm sure, undertaking to tackle some of the biggest challenges in healthcare today. When you look at the different projects you have going on, are there any that you're particularly excited about or you think could be needle moving um, in the areas, especially looking at some of the population health and he health equity issues? Well, yes. Um, actually, uh, I, I, you asked that question as, as, as if we have rehearsed this before, but we didn't. Uh, there's one in particular that I'm very excited about. That's one of the things in R&D, it really gives us an opportunity to touch in a lot of different sides of, of the healthcare space. One that we're actually launching um, soon is a project to reach out to uh, predominantly black communities in uh, a part of the country where we uh, are tackling an issue of um, hypertension control. And uh, that's which is an area which you know, as common as hypertension is, uh, we having, you know, 48% uh, of the population affected by hypertension, three quarters of them not controlled. The opportunity is massive. Uh, Especially in the black community, it's even worse. You know, only 15% of them have blood pressure control. So I think that we have a major opportunity tackling a, a quote unquote simple problem that has major um, adverse or at least major adverse outcomes, has major implications. And that's one area I'm really looking for because we, we're, we're going to announce next week um, exactly how it's going to work. But we have a very novel uh, health uh, uh, model 
that I think is uh, we expect, uh, if successful, to become a, a national model that can be implemented in different areas of the country. That's really exciting to hear, and it definitely it seems like will make a big difference. Now, I'm wondering what else, too, from your perspective, um, what partnerships are vital for payers and providers to really transform healthcare? Well, let me start by saying, Laura, that the word partnership is a, is a key word. Uh, that, that's the right question, is, is partnership. As large, you know, large organizations uh, sometimes try to tackle problems by themselves, so I think the realization that, that nobody can solve the problems, even as, as large as um, some organizations may be, really is about building those partnerships. And those, to those partnerships, build in trust. So when you start thinking about people, about building trust, then you start thinking about the technical uh, solutions and the clinical solutions and so on. So starting with our partnership is, is key. Uh, so uh, some of those partnerships, one of the things that I've seen, for instance, uh, more often now, now that I've been uh, working on this side of the healthcare space, is how providers and health plans, for instance, are getting together. It's, you can see that transition from being very transactional, as it used to be many years ago, to becoming a partnership where every one of them can contribute uh, their best. And then start you know, with the, um, again, with the trust component, designing um, financial arrangements, uh, ideally more based on value uh, care, and also interfacing on the IT side, again, with the goal of providing a seamless experience to, to the people who actually are in need of, of healthcare. I think that's, that's, that's a major evolving opportunities, how providers can understand the value that each one of them can bring to the table and then get together to provide that um, a, a better uh, healthcare model. The other one is uh, that healthcare and that's probably one of the areas where I find uh, more fascinating the evolving model of, of healthcare, which is we are moving beyond just providing clinical solutions. And we are solving clinical solutions based on a more comprehensive set of parameters. Meaning if we understand where people play, leave, uh, and work, if we understand their needs, if we understand what are the barriers for them to get access to um, get access to better health. If we understand what, how we can actually provide those, those types of solutions, then we can solve clinical problems. One of the areas, for instance, heart failure is a perfect example. We have not done a good job in the healthcare space, in the heart failure space, because we always focus on, well, is the person in the right set of medications? Were they discharging the right set of medications? Were they seen on timely, uh, timely by a doctor? And, and I think people understood that. And now we're saying, let's go to the house, let's go to the home of that person and see who's taking care of them. Do they really know what they're taking and, and why they should be taken? Are they capable? Do they need some support uh, for them to take the medication on a regular basis and so on? So that's, I think that's the part that I, I find uh, most fascinating about the, the evolution of, of those partnerships. And then uh, lastly, I'll say it about partnerships that there are organizations beyond just the purely healthcare space that bring a tremendous amount of power, trust, and um, uh, knowledge to the table. For instance, um, organizations that are connected uh, to the community. So in other words, community-based organizations, faith-based organizations, uh, for instance, is the type of organizations that we need to partner with because 
it's not enough for us to say we want to help people. It's for people to trust that we really want to help them by partnering with those people they actually know best. So that's that's another key type of, you know, it's all, and then in the ATS space, we'll probably talk on the digital side at some point, but, but there are also uh, technology solutions that we can accomplish in building those uh, healthcare models that we can partner with um, and so on. And, and obviously the traditional uh, partnerships with government, uh, both federal and state organizations with academic uh, uh, partners, uh, medical societies play a key role in how we can provide a better stand, standardized care. So those are the kind of partnerships I think we need to be very open to building uh, those relationships and, and moving as a block together. That's really great to hear. And it sounds like there's just fascinating things going on in the healthcare space right now um, and really a lots of opportunity for disruption. So I'm excited to, to hear everything that you have in motion. Uh, thank you. And I think the, the opportunity is massive uh, because it, it goes beyond, you know, beyond that and um, beyond the, the partnership and, and the relationships, building that, moving the industry of healthcare into other, where other industries have moved. You know, for instance, when was the last time you went to a bank, right? When was the last time you actually went to an actual hotel to make a reservation? Or when was the last time you actually went to a restaurant to make a dinner reservation? So, so I think we can we can tackle healthcare from the same standpoint. Is is what is the what is it that we can facilitate for the people who need uh, have those needs to have access immediately to to their care? I'll stop there. Absolutely. I think that's a really great point. And I just wanted to wrap up our conversation by asking, how are you thinking about digital transformation and the transition to outpatient care? I think we've touched a little bit on some of the technology possibilities and desire to grow in the digital space. And then too, I know a lot of care is going out of the traditional hospital. And so I was wondering, given those two trends, um, what do you really think is going to happen um, strategically to healthcare delivery? I honestly, um, I love AI, and I had an opportunity, had been involved in the AI space uh, for quite some time, even before I joined United. Uh, but I can tell you this: um, I think the digital uh, uh, transformation is the key to evolving healthcare because we know the human component can only do so much. I, all of us, remember when electronic health records came to our lives. And I still think that all of us had PTSD as a result of it. It was not because of electronic health records. It was the way we used that tool. So it was not a tool, but the way it was used. So uh, for instance, we focused a lot on maximizing billing. We focused a lot on um, building templates and so on. But at the end of the day, we didn't maximize the utilization of that tool. And as a result, a lot of people are now reluctant to technology, but the reality is we need to embrace technology because that's the only way we can multiply our ability to provide for people. If it goes back to the point that I made at the beginning, if we want to change the math in healthcare of one doctor per patient, uh, we cannot afford to do that because we don't have enough resources. Right? Doctors are, are in short supply. We need the doctors. We need to partner with the doctors. The doctors are an essential part of this this model, but we need to enable them to practice at the top of their licensure by extending their uh, uh, care teams, uh, be in the form of um, uh, advanced practice clinicians, be in the form of nurses, pharmacists play a key role, community health workers is one opportunity that we also have, social workers and so on. 
they work working under their supervision, I think we can expand that ability to provide. And how you do that, you, you need to, the technology to be able to do that. Here's the other point, access and um, follow-up. When you make an appointment, most people need to wait several weeks to see a doctor. How about if we can do the online scheduling? How about if we can provide an immediate uh, virtual visit? How about if we at least have some formal triage? I remember working as a cardiologist if, uh, that I had to see a patient in my office and then uh, make a determination as to whether we needed to do you know, something else or not. You know, how about if a primary care doctor has the ability to call a specialist and say, hey, I have this scenario here, this, this person who has X or Y uh, um, situation, what do you think? And then allow that person to have a real-time solution to their needs. So that's, and that's, and they, or say, listen, uh, from home, you can actually connect with us, or uh, we're going to do this and we're going to be able to monitor this from, from home with the use of uh, digital technology and wearables and that can collect either actively or passively signals. So that's, that's probably the most immediate opportunity. And then here's the, the, other, the other part of the digital transformation is the use of artificial intelligence and machine learning. That's probably one of the areas along with education and housing where um, AI has a massive opportunity in the healthcare space and it's underutilized. But in, if we partner those people who are really knowledgeable about AI with the clinical people who have an understanding of how to find the, the use cases, and I'm gonna add a third layer um, of people who are going to monitor the responsible use of AI because we need to be very mindful that AI is, just, is used uh, is not going to increase disparities, it's not going to uh, come up with algorithms that may affect groups uh, unknowingly, of, of course. So that constant surveillance and monitoring is important for us to have a successful implementation of AI. But that's, that's uh, really the future because then through AI, we can identify populations at risk and have a more population health approach. We can utilize that massive that amount of data that can be coming every day from the homes and the communities where people live and be able to target the, the needs in a more accurate way without having to rely on a human being able to see all that information, process it and, and act accordingly, but rather um, have AI do that for you, that clinical work. If I have a patient in front of me and I have AI telling me, these are the areas in, in the medical record of this patient that are relevant to your problem, or you tell me what you want me to find, as opposed to try to scroll through thousands of pages, I mean, those are really um, uh, ways to help uh, transform. And then the last part will be the predictive analytics part of the story is moving upstream. Instead of being reactive to a disease, can we actually predict who is at risk for that disease and then act accordingly and say, okay, this group is uh, more risk of this, let's just um, act uh, proactively and, and, and focus on that. And I think the health plans are understanding that today but they um, are more focused on building healthier communities as opposed to essentially, again, being transactional. So that um, AI, uh, machine learning and technology revolution that is happening in the healthcare space is definitely well positioned to transform care within the next three to five years. It's fascinating to hear. Dr. Morello, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fascinating discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Well, same here, Laura. Thank you so much for the invitation. And uh, it's always it's a, it's a real pleasure to talk about these topics, especially 
when it comes to finding ways to improve uh, people's lives and, and, and to make the healthcare system work better for everyone.